I think for me, it's it's not about judging myself anymore. You know, if I am having a good day and I can see it as an opportunity, that's great. If I'm not having such a good day and I'm actually getting a bit stuck in anxiety, that's also okay. You know, that's just another part of myself. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis Depression in Podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help too. Increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. So today on the show, we have Shelley Hutchinson. Shelley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. No problem. Um, so we, we met on LinkedIn where you was uh, kind enough to give you time and uh, provide clarity for me on where I was going with my business, which I wanted to thank you for because uh, I've, I value people's time greatly and, and, and you did for me, you went above and beyond. So I wanted to thank you for that, first of all. Oh, you're very welcome. I, I'm still processing some of the stuff. Um, like I say, some of this, sometimes it's the cogs in the background of working after the event and things are processing and things are moving. So uh, and I'm still acting on some of the advice. But I did get great, great clarity and I've gone and sorted uh, uh, um, an, an event out because of it so thank you amazing. for that yeah. amazing that's yeah. so great it's good stuff so without further ado could you tell my audience a little bit more about Shelley Hutchinson please yeah yeah well my name is Shelley Hutchinson and my business is clientnectar.com and what I love to do is to help people to make a living from their passion so I primarily work with coaches and therapists um, and you know small business owners as well now um, and really, you know, a lot of times they come to me because they don't know how to gain clients. That's their stumbling block. And they often lack confidence in themselves and the belief that they can actually make their business success that they want it to be. So what I like to do is I like to help people to kind of bring the three elements together that they need. One is the marketing piece. I help them with the marketing piece. But I also help them then with the selling piece as well. And of course, what's behind those two pieces is mindset. If you don't have the mindset right, then you're not going to be able to make your business a success. So it's this kind of combination of the three um, that I work with with my clients. And I, I used to call myself a business coach. And I guess that's really, in a way, a good name to sum up what I do. But I've now just decided to make it easier for people and call myself a marketing expert. I still do all the business coaching elements for people. But to be honest, my, my main area um, that I help people with that I'm really good at is the marketing piece. And it comes from having a background in psychotherapy as well as a background in marketing. So it's like really understanding people, really understanding the people you want to work with, who you want to serve and how you want to help them. And being able to create products that are the best solution to your ideal client's problems. So I kind of really where I come in is I help um, coaches and business owners to kind of put their product together so that they they know that it's the best fit for what their clients are wanting and at the same time make sure that what they're offering is also absolutely connected to their zone of genius and their soul so that they they feel confident that they can actually deliver on what they're wanting to offer and it's easy and of course when you are working from your soul and your life purpose 
you kind of overcome all that kind of natural fear that holds you back in doing what you want to do because you're just so so passionate about just wanting to get on and do it and at the same time you connect then with the people that you want to help because they feel they feel that you really can help them they they feel that there's a deeper connection there so on the surface it's you know practical online marketing and linkedin marketing but underneath we're really working with that deeper level as well you know helping you know helping my clients to really come out of their 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 own boundaries and limitations so that they can be the fullest person that they are in the world the fullest expression of that and at the same time build an amazing business um, that is making a difference you know that, that actually contributes something really positive to the world that's cool yeah um, so it sounds it sounds very holistic it is it is it's hard sometimes hard for me to explain what i do because i could just say i'm a marketer and i do linkedin marketing that would be one way of describing yes. it. but there there is a deeper kind of purpose to it and there's there's more behind the scenes that's oh. going on okay so is uh, you mentioned the did you say psychology yes yes okay. so i have a background in psychotherapy okay so with with the things in the background going on is that a, a, a side to you that's more, uh, most like spiritual side or is it just what you know about the mind? Yeah, I would say it's a spiritual side. Um, so um, I studied psychosynthesis psychotherapy. Um, this was in my 20s. I had a number of different life experiences that, that, that led me down that path at quite a young age. Um, and... And it, you know, I, for me, it was like the opportunity to basically play and draw and <laughs> do a lot of art because we did a lot of art therapy as part of the course. So I kind of had that aspect to it, which I was being creative, which was something that I've always loved. But then there's the other side where I just kind of always knew that um, I could see things, even from a younger age, I could see like conflicts that people were having and I could look at them and say there's, there's a better way of handling this you know and i could see the sort of disharmony around me in the world and i always was very sensitive um to that and you know and i think in my 20s i just got to the point where i wanted to understand why i just wanted to understand why i was the way i am why the world is the way it is why other people are the way they are um and i just wanted to get to know and understand that better and i started reading about psychology as part of um, my my job I was a lecturer at the time and it just kind of spiraled from there I just was like I need to know more this is so fascinating um, and really it's just about understanding our own nature but also under, you know understanding human nature really um, which is incredibly fascinating <laughs> yeah no, I, I agree <laughs> you know humans are amazing they have incredible capacity for for all kinds of things good and bad um, and, and, you know, what we have as a human race is really, we, we have so much potential and so much that often is untapped within us that we're not aware of. And it's kind of, for me, because doing the psychotherapy training was exploring the fringes of what I was aware of and starting to see that there's a whole world of landscapes beyond what I knew. Um, and what my mental structure was <laughs> at yeah. that time. That's cool. See, I, I, I had a similar, uh, when I was about 18, I met somebody in my work who sort of op opened my mind right up. 
Wow. But to, um, <laughs> I used to call him the spaceman, but uh, he, he was into like the pyramids and vibration harmonics and, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of like Nibiru and this, you know, this, uh, yeah. all this type of thing, you know. So he, he really got me into that side of things, which that some of the books I read just blew my mind. Obviously, you've got to read both sides of the argument to get a balanced opinion, you know. Um, but I had, yeah, that was I had, I had somebody that did that for me. But it wasn't until about three years ago that I actually come to the point where you come to when you was twenty. Um, and, and my struggle was, I, I had a massive victim mindset going on. Um, similar to yourself with regards to. Um, feeling mm. uh very you know very very emotional i was emotional still i'm quite emotional mm. um but I, able to feel other people's pain and stuff and uh i wanted to always put it right mm. and then and then when you're in a victim mindset and wanting to put things right everything becomes not fair <laughs> so it just sort of leaves you in a mess uh but it's, it's funny isn't it I mean, so let's 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 journey back to mm. uh because I'm interested to get to that, you said, a little path uh, or life experiences that got you where you are now. So could we go back to maybe like primary school uh, and hear some stories from uh, oh primary school God. for yourself? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Okay, right. Um, so if I go right back to primary school, then I would say that I preferred animals to humans. <laughs> did not get humans they were just like this farm species to me even though i was one i was like what what is this and i went to a um a school that was um actually really a really good school in a lot of ways it was a boarding school but i was there as a day girl so they had a lot of day girls and boys but it was a, a boarding school a private boarding school and it was taught by a number of teachers who were quite alternative in their approaches. So it was very academic and very sort of mainstream in the normal kind of academic sense. But the teachers were, were passionate about their subjects and they wanted to make you passionate about it. So if you weren't doing very well in the subject, because the school was very academic, they, they would give you extra classes. And, and as part of that class, is not gonna sound very healthy, but one of the classes I got extra tuition in was Latin because I was bottom of the whole class in Latin. And being part of the extra Latin group, you got hamburgers. Uh, <laughs> it, was like, it was like awesome. It was like, oh my God. And part of the reason why I was bottom of the Latin group um, or my Latin class was because we spent the entire um, term watching Ben-Hur. <laughs> So, so you can kind of imagine, you know, I didn't, I wasn't good enough to just learn the Latin on my own without any instruction. So it was a sort of funny combination of being a very academic school where they were very, you know, wanting you to achieve really high results. Um, and the idea was that the kids from this school were going to go on to like Aundel and Eton and all the other kind of top private boarding schools. So that was kind of the aim. But then you had this sort of alternative way of teaching where the teachers were still quite, um, you know, they just, they just wanted to inspire you, really. Um, and so for me, that's really where I got that real sense of learning how to learn. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's stuck with me. You know, that's been a big part of who I've become is that 
I learned from that experience about what great teaching is and I learned about how to learn and I learned how to learn myself um, and how to teach as well to a certain extent. But what I didn't learn was the interpersonal skills <laughs> and where I was kind of lacking because the family I grew up in, as lovely as my parents were in a lot of ways, they, they lacked a lot in interpersonal skills as well. My dad comes from a long military background and the whole family has been in the military so it's all stiff upper lip kind of stuff and my mom is Indian so she had a whole history of being subservient to your husband even though she was in you know she'd come to England age 16 and she'd you know defied her dad not gone back to live with um, her parents but stayed in England and you know worked for peanuts to get herself through um living here you know funded herself etc so even though she was quite kind of modern in a lot of ways she also had this strong background which was very much coming from that um being a subservient woman being the good Indian woman so there's this kind of strange combination of my parents um, so I didn't really learn how to have conversations properly with people. And that's where the bit of me not understanding humans came from and where me loving animals, basically. <laughs> I was all right if I was doing something with animals or being creative. But if you put me in a room to talk to another girl or boy, I, you know, I, I would probably hit them rather than talk to them. <laughs> Quite good at being the tomboy and beating up the boys. <laughs> In the trees, but I wasn't very good at the dialogue bit <laughs> and the normal bits that you need to navigate life. Um, but I did excel on the academic side, so that kind of, you know, the, that that kind of sort of saved me in the school environment was that I just put everything into being really good academically, but was completely lacking in interpersonal skills. Okay, so, yeah, a weird combination. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean. It's... Well, I can imagine the army, yeah, very, like you say, stiff up a lip, probably not engaging in emotionals or emotions. No, no I, was, I, I was never asked, how do you feel or what do you need? They were two questions that weren't, weren't part of my you know, experience. And the idea of being able to say no to anything as a child, that was just not there at all. There, there was no, I never learned the word no <laughs> at all. Isn't that crazy? crazy because you look at kids now I look at my nephews and stuff and like they don't want to do something you know about it yeah I know it's mad I mean I was exactly the same and the other thing is I mean I'm 43 and most of my generation are the same we're looking back and thinking how, how, was, how is that possible yeah how come we did what we were told and I'm, I'm strict with my kids but they still tell me no yeah it's true I mean this is I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. I wondered if it's, it's sort of like the next generation of children or what's needed to take us to on to put yeah. right all the things that's been messed up in the past. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Because it is important to have the capacity to know what's right for you and what's not right for you and to be able to express that. Uh, yeah. So that is an important thing to have as a child to develop that skill. Not yeah. so for the parents. But, but good for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just think of how many times our life has probably impacted us and we weren't even aware. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Where we, we do something because we've been asked without realising we could probably have said, no thanks, not interested. And we just, well, especially in your situation, it, it, with that environment, 
um, my dad was ex-military as well, so he was very, you do as I say. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, uh, you know, it, it, it was never a suggestion that I had a choice. No. No, it was just like, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. It's mad. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, 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 yeah, looking back, I wonder if that's how you get to the point where you're 43 or 40 and then you think, oh my God, how did I get here? <laughs> I, I think it is. You know, because you're, you're trying to, basically, you, you develop a personality which is trying to live up to other people's expectations rather than your own. And you become disconnected from your own needs and who you really are as a person. So at some point along the journey, you know, whether that's in my case, it was at age sort of 23 or 22, things started going very badly wrong, was no longer working. <laughs> um, or whether it's at 30 or whether it's at 40, it's going to happen at some point that the, the uh, crack in the armour is going to start to show where, where actually your sort of personality you formed no longer serves you and the environment isn't working with your personality and so you, you you know you have to grow there is no other place to go you know i never looked at it like that that's it's because the our soul is always trying to break through so who we truly are is always trying to break through and come into the light so what we term as being a breakdown is actually a breakthrough and when the emotions start coming to the surface that we just want to push away, which is like the depression, the anxiety and everything else, we want to push them away to put a lid on them. We say, that's the problem. Well, no, actually, that's our soul breaking through and trying to make itself seen. But yes, it's really hard for the part of us that has, you know, developed into how we are in the world to be able to cope with that. We feel really out of control. Um, so it's like, it's a good thing that that happens. It's part of the healing, but it's like a healing crisis almost. You know, you kind of have to go down <laughs> to come back up. So probably for you, Joel, you, you know, you had to go into the sort of not being happy. And the, the uh, yeah. discovering <laughs> who you are and who you really want to be, you know, yeah. and you know, who you truly want to be in the world as opposed to who you become to satisfy your dad or, you know, your mum to make them happy. Yeah. Well, dude, what a <laughs> wonderful perspective. I never, I never, I never, I never hear the phrase that way. Not a breakdown, a breakthrough. And it makes such sense as well, because you're exactly right. My personality, me being the person that always, that never said no or never, not, you know, argued against his elders type thing, that type of respect. I made myself physically ill. Like I was ill for about two or three years with like cluster headaches. Wow. Uh, and my, my children, my, all my children have seen me rocking in the corner holding my head crying mm -hmm. with this pain that I can't get go, to go no matter what I take. And then with that comes the depression and you're stuck and it's, it's bloody awful like but I mean obviously I needed to go through it to get where I am currently because mm. right now it's awesome but I couldn't have got here without going through that that's the, actually the, the probably one of, one of the parts of it we say about the personality was where the beard sort of come in because without my beard I look very young and mm. uh, I got a, a boyish face 
but I, when I look at myself in my old photos, I feel I'm looking at a child. Mm-hmm. Because when I look at myself now, I feel like a man. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's great. It's crazy what it does. And, uh, with that then becomes speaking up for myself and um, mm-hmm. not just taking other people's stuff on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but is I've got a new, I've got a new dynamic going on now where I'm changing. I mean, I've dropped, uh, four and a half stone in weight. So, but I've, I've, I've got people complimenting me, but those, some of the, my wife is super supportive for some of my other family. Um, they're not liking the change in me. Mm. I mean, it's really, really grating on them. Um, mm. to the point where they're saying stuff and I'm like, well, hang on a minute. I'm more self-aware. I'm happier. I'm fitter. I'm healthier, healthier than I've ever been in my life. And I'm probably more self-aware of how I impact others. So surely that's got to be the best version of me there's ever been. Mm. Not not being big-headed, like, but joining me, but like in a sense of this is the best evolution of me so far. Mm. So, uh, but it's, yeah. And then other people who are not maybe into the, the growth or whatever. That's, I don't know. Perhaps it's what it means. If I'm growing and they're not, what does it mean for them? without them really realize they're thinking that way. (laughs) Exactly. And the thing is is that, you know, like, it's not like we deliberately want to be nasty to, like when you're parents, it's not like you want to deliberately hurt your kids. No one wants to deliberately hurt their children. Very few parents, I think, would ever be in that, that basket or that grouping. But if we can't handle something in ourselves then we're not going to be able to let our kids handle it so if we're not able to say what we want for ourselves what we need and if we are have been brought up that we have to meet other people's needs and say yes to them then if we see our kids you know even as an adult starting to blossom and assert what's right for them and what isn't it's gonna grate on that relative because they're still in a place of not allowing that freedom for themselves because they don't they don't know that they can have it you know that yeah they've almost still got the mind control going on from their own childhood experience yeah so they're not going to be positive to you about your changes because it's almost like you're breaking free of the gates that they haven't broken free through you know and it's not that they want, are deliberately trying to be nasty. That's the thing. It's not that they're not trying to be nice to you. It's just that they can't, you know, because they can't allow it for themselves. They can't allow it for you. Yeah. So they can't see the, the, what's good about what's happening for you because it's not something they've allowed themselves. Yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, and, and so we can get very judgmental about our family members who failed in this way and failed in that way and everything. But ultimately they're just, you know, they're just trying to find their way through life. Yeah. That's what I put it down to. It's, uh... And it doesn't mean that we can't, you know, that it's not okay to get angry with them. It is okay to be angry with them, <laughs> but it's, but for our own sanity, sometimes we also have to understand that we've been lucky enough to grow in ways that they haven't been able to. Yeah. And that we can still connect and have a relationship with them. But yes, we might be managing it a little bit. We might be managing that relationship by because we've got more self-awareness. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> you just you just nailed it there, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it doesn't always make it easy. But like, you know, I would say my, my relationship with my dad was a, a very difficult one for a very, very long time, culminating with when I decided to move to Ireland when I turned 30. And my dad literally just getting on the phone with me and non-stop shouting at me down the phone. I mean, he was very an ang- very angry person through most of my childhood. And I just remember him being angry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember much else, but just this angry, scary dad with a moustache, basically. <laughs> kind of, and, um, and, you know, when I was saying, he would just be shouting at me down the phone. And I'd done my counselling training by this stage and spent a lot of money in therapy working on my relationship with my dad. Um, but I was still terrified of this. I was still struggling with it. But what I learned to do was to say calmly to, to my dad whilst he was speaking, shouting down the phone, um, you know, I hear you're really angry, but if you carry on talking to me like this, I'm not going to be able to stay on the line. So I'm just letting you know that I'm going to hang up if you, keep, if you don't calm down. And I sort of say this, give him a minute, or like half a minute, <laughs> it seemed like a lot longer than half a minute, but just give them a, 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 a minute and I say, look, I'm actually hanging up now. And then I'd hang up. And of course that made him absolutely livid. And he would, you know, then ring back and it would be the same process. And we eventually did talk to each other for over, it was nearly a year, it was over six months, between wow. a year. But when he did come back, he sent me a gift which was some watercolours for me to paint when I got to Ireland, that I could use the watercolours to do painting. Oh, nice. And, and he didn't really say, I'm sorry, but he did a massive olive branch from his perspective, which was basically not to continue shouting at me about the fact that I was going to Ireland, <laughs> and just to kind of go, okay, well, she's made this decision. But the benefit of what came out of me setting those boundaries with him was that he learned that his losing his temper with me just wasn't something that was going to work in our relationship, that we would ultimately not have a relationship if he carried on that behaviour. Hmm. Now, his anger stems from anxiety. So actually, when he's having a massive anger outburst, it's actually a three or four-year-old who's terribly anxious inside him. That's really what's going on. And now... I see the three or four year old in him and I don't just get, go into like shock at this tirade of abuse coming at me, mm. um, which actually doesn't happen anymore, but I do, I see him in other situations losing his temper. <laughs> so, but the thing is, it's like, I now know how to talk to him because I understand actually it's a three or four year old that is struggling and I can talk to him and I can talk him down. Yeah. Like, because I can, I, can, I, I can still love him now in that place. Whereas before I was just in the like, oh my God, terror. You know, this yeah. scary monster is just, you know. But it was through that experience of setting the boundaries with him that we changed the dynamics of our relationship. And we actually have a, you know, we have, I think, a really good relationship now. Um, as far as, you know, as far as, it's possible for him to know how to relate with me and for me to know how to relate with him. You know, we have great conversations once a week. It's not as deep as I would love it to be, but it's a hell of a lot better than um, it was before, which was basically not really a relationship. 
Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that has come from, I suppose, me kind of expanding my self-awareness and taking responsibility, you know, and realizing that I'm not expecting him to change for me, which I did for a long time, but actually just putting the change in place that I need to put for me, you know. Yeah, um, that's, that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah, and he's a great guy, you know, he's a great guy, but I see him struggle in so many ways. Yeah. And, and it's really sad, you know, I kind of, you know, I just want to shake him sometimes, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know and I, but I do, I see him struggle and, and it, it just, it's painful to watch, you know, because I, I know where that anger is coming from. And he doesn't get angry as much as he used to. He's definitely, his, um, my stepmom, who's his second wife, um, has actually, she's a, a quite a lot stronger than my mum was in some ways. And so she's been quite good at helping him explore and start to understand what's going on with his anger, sure. even though it's not all stick completely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he he has started, you know, he's got more self-awareness than he has, definitely. And he has calmed with age a bit. But, yeah, you you put something in front of him that he's not going to like and he will still blow up. <laughs> the dustbin man don't take, doesn't take the dustbins when they're meant to. That's it. That's the end of it, isn't it? <laughs> Right, I suppose everyone's got their trigger points. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, can, I can relate a lot to what you're saying there because um, what, what, my my journey uh, was also around improving my relationship with my son, who uh -huh. was about 11, 12 at the time, and I was aware if I kept going where I was going, we were we were going different directions, and that's not not the relationship I envisaged uh, when I first had a child. Mm -hmm. um, so. We we even said to him. I mean, me and my wife are both more aware than we've ever were. And we even said, like, you know, we've we tried this, we've tried this one, we've done it this way, we've spoken to you like this, and no matter what we do, you don't change. Also, <laughs> and then it wasn't until I did like I did this mastermind where I we explored, really explored, like you know, um, ourselves and our mindset and and everything else. But I thought, well, hang on a minute. That was it. Um, so somebody mentioned E plus R equals O. So the event plus the response equals the outcome. I, and I've sort of, I've worked on this over three years and I've sort of realized now every single communication I have, if I, I, the only part I can change in the outcome of that communication is my input to it. So if, if, if I don't get the outcome I want, obviously I need to moderate my response. I used to be very reactive, um, and I think that was probably down to my own frustrations with my work and being unhappy in my job. Um, but when I was able to recognize that my re response to my son dictated his reaction, it all changed. It's, it's even the point where my wife used to be the only one that could talk to him. But I could, I did a, 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 a like a, a quick course in counselling, but it was sort of like an introduction, and yeah. just even with the tools I learned from that, going like, and he'd be, he'd be fuming from school. Somebody had said something to him, and I go in his room, and he'd be up here, and I'm giving all this, and I go, like, oh, what's the matter? What they say to you? What they say? And then you just sort of bring it down a couple of levels, and at the end of it, then you're just having a nice discussion. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, and uh, he even says, oh, you know, dad, dad can talk me down. Wow. So I think he even knows, he must have some sort of awareness that he's, he's coming down, you know. Yeah, and you're listening to him. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, just matching his tongue. And, uh, bringing it down. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets he gets the vent. <laughs> he gets it off his chest. And that's great, you know, because he's he's learning how to communicate his anger and his frustration, but he's also learning how to do it in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah, I never thought that. Through the way that you're talking to him, mm. he's going to pick up those skills and start to use that in, with himself, and then he'll start to use it with other people. Yeah. So, well, like, we, we need to be able to get angry. We need yeah. to have that fire. We need to be able to say, no, that's not okay for us. But we also need to know how to communicate it in a way where other people can hear us. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's right. We can actually get our needs met as opposed to a way where people just start pushing up the barriers. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, uh, yeah. And you mentioned something else earlier on. You said... Um, about you, you were never asked what, how do you feel, and what do you need? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a an interesting one there, because we, it's only again, it's only recently, my wife and I have started looking into not so much what we need, but what we want. So, mm-hmm. what do we want from life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different different aspect, but same sort, similar sort of question. Um, but like the need. Of support. I mean, it's, that's, that's something I'm going to directly say to my children now because you've said that. Because I, I like I like what it implies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah. You know, it's so simple. It's just a few words. How are you feeling? But it actually it means so much. Mm. You know, the number of times that I've heard people saying, um, you know, when you meet someone on the street, they say, "How are you?" And the number of times people don't say the truth because they don't, they don't want to tell you, you know, they don't want to say, oh, actually, I'm really down today. I've had a really difficult time. You know, this has happened and that. And they just say, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, but, but actually, when you can acknowledge what's really going on, how you really feel, actually, it becomes lighter, you know. And yeah. we, we, you know, if you're an expressive type like me, I need to communicate everything. <laughs> That I'm That's healthy. <laughs> I'm a poor partner. He like, you know, I have to sometimes explain. I'm going to go around this a few times, and you will hear me going around in circles several times. It might take about an hour, <laughs> but this actually is helpful to me. So even though you've had me say the same thing, and I'm going to loop it a few times, actually, I'm I'm recovering. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, I'll... So, you know, but that's part of who I am. You know, I. I work through my emotions by speaking them out. And if I don't have access to someone else to, to do it with, I have to find another medium, whether that's talk it out to a tree or a flower or, or write it down. You know, actually, it's, this is something that most of us don't give ourselves space for on a daily basis. Mm. Um, even that five minutes at the end of the day or first thing in the morning to just write down how we're really feeling. Just being crucial if you haven't got someone in your life you haven't got a partner to, to do it with it you don't have to be on your own with it you you can you know i sometimes like one of my old therapists a long time ago he said you can always talk to me you, you know even when i'm not here just imagine me in the chair and talk to me well i 
I don't do that to him anymore, bless him. That we, we worked together a long, long time ago. I don't think it would be fair on him. But I do, like, I'll talk to my grandmother who passed away, or I'll talk, I'll talk to the trees in the garden, or I'll talk to my cats, and I'll tell them what's going on for me. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one else. There isn't a, a human. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like just allowing us that space to express what we really feel. So powerful. And if someone asks you, how are you? And they actually want to hear how you really are. It's just like the most amazing thing. Yeah. I tend to um, approach it differently now because I find if you say to someone, how are you? Yeah. It, it, it depends on the level that you're approaching it, like uh, the genuineness of it. And I think people can generally tell us whether it's just passing the time or just being polite. But usually like I had somebody today who passed me and I could sense he was, he was knocked. He was really knocked off. So uh, he went, oh, all right, Joe. And I went, yeah, what's happening? And he said, uh, I said, uh, cut you off. <laughs> Which is, well, well sure. do you want to, do you want to hug? Because <laughs> you could, I could feel, I could feel it. Yeah. He needed, he needed, you know, and he was just, he just wanted a rant. And then he had a rant for 10 minutes and he was done then. Yeah. You know, but I, I tend to just call it out now, like, oh, oh, like, you know, like, oh, you seem a bit miffed off, or you okay? Yeah. Do you, you know, do you need a hug or do you need a clutch? Yeah. People don't know where to go with it. So what they do is they tend to tell you the truth. <laughs> but that's great. I mean, you know, you're doing a real service there because you're, you're giving them the opportunity to say how they really are feeling, you know, because you can spot it. It sounds like you're quite an empath with people, which is. Mm someone who picks up on other people's emotions. And if you spot it, you know, and and you're willing to be available to hear what is going on for them, then that's the real gift. And if you're not, if you're not in a space where you want to hear, it's also okay not not to like say, how are you? Would you like a hug? It's also okay to go and see you later. <laughs> you know, because you've got to look after yourself too. So if, you know, you might not be in a space where you're feeling able for someone else's emotions. And so taking care of yourself is your priority. Yeah. It's not rude to, to, to not invite that in if you're not in a space where you, you, you are available. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've had those situations. Yeah. It's honoring yourself too. You've got to honor your, you know, yourself. You don't always have to be a person that everyone um, you know, lets out what's going on for them too. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting though because when I when I I can be in the worst mood ever, and then I'll, I'll bump into someone and people just tend to tell me this stuff. So I, I listen, and then my stuff is immediately gone. Yeah. And I I'm like okay so and I'm you know I've left the state the state is gone now is in the past so I, and I'm in this state of being curious about what's up for them you know. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant when you can shift your focus from yourself to somebody else and then just get lost in them, like, you know. Absolutely. Right, back to you. Anyway, <laughs> so let's go back. Uh, what did we went back to primary school. I'm guessing there's something else within those teenage years that sort of led you down the path. Is there any stories or emotions that come to mind in the teenage years? Or, oh or comprehensive school or... Yeah, secondary school. I really didn't like my secondary school. I went to an all-girls um, convent school. Um, okay. And, um, yeah, being a bit of a 
um, you know, tomboy. I, I really, it did not fit me. I mean, I got there and the girls were already putting, you know, nail varnish on and putting, wearing bras and all of, you know, and we were 11. And I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. I've been dropped in this like horrendous ocean. Like I, that is even worse <laughs> for me because I'm always surrounded by all girls, you know, and my approach of just, you know, trying to have a fight with them, it's like a little, <laughs> it's not going to work. You know, they don't, they don't do rough and tumble like you can do with guys. So I was like, oh God, what do I do now? Um, yeah, so I had a difficult time at secondary school and I got quite badly bullied. And at the same time as that was going on, um, my, my parents, start, well, they started a business. Um, my dad set out on his own with his own law firm. And they were kind of gone pretty much all the time. So I was left at home to do all the cooking and the washing and kind of looking after everyone and everything, but basically having no one there mm-hmm. um, from about like 10, 11 years old. Um, so I was kind of being bullied at school, not getting on there, coming home to an empty house and doing all the washing and cooking and the gardening and everything, basically being a slave, really. Um, and my parents were coming back and they'd come back at like nine o'clock in the evening and then have huge rows because they were worried and you know, stressed about business, stressed about money. And so they would just be throwing plates at each other and, you know, the kind of thing that you do when you don't know how to have constructive arguments. Um, so it was a pretty tough time, I would say. And I went, I didn't know at the time what being depressed was, mm-hmm. but I just stopped wearing colours. So that was my visual expression of the depression was that I just, when I had the opportunity to wear my own clothes, it was black, non-stop. I was just in black. Um, and I sort of kept up the pretense to my parents of being okay, because obviously I couldn't let them know that actually I was struggling. Um, but I would, was then starting to sneak out and do stuff um, that I wanted to do because I was really quite unhappy, I guess. So I kind of kept up with the schoolwork, but basically would, well, while my parents weren't home, would go into town and get drunk with um, the various people that I was meeting in, in town. And I had a sort of motley crew of friends who were sort of other, sort of a couple of girls my age from another school who kind of were having a similar experience really to me. And then some of our friends sort of were a lot older than us and, went down a local pub and then quite a lot of people who were homeless or in um, different, um, oh, just, you know, just squatting and stuff. So there was a bit of a circle of a kind of motley crew of misfits, basically, that I became part of. Um, and I, I did, I do think that actually meeting people of all, all walks of life was very good for me at that point, because I'd obviously been a little bit closeted in my private school world. And here I was mixing with people, you know, some people who um, had drug addiction issues, um, people who were homeless, people, you know, um, and, and people who weren't, people who, who just all went down the same local pub as the rest of us and just were misfits and rockers and all the rest of it. Um, and that helped me to stop getting bullied because I'd hang out with all these punks and the bullies got scared of the the guys that I was hanging out with who actually were teddy bears, like, I mean, they were complete teddy bears, 
but obviously they look scary to, <laughs> to yeah. at my school. But you know, had they actually realised that these people were the kindest people ever in the world, and they really looked out for me. And you know, one of them in particular took me under his wing and just made sure that nothing bad ever happened to me. He never looked after me because I was only by that stage 13, 14 years old. Um, yeah, and I, I still think that that was a really important experience. Um, and I'm really still very grateful to have had that experience. And probably if my home life had been better, I probably wouldn't have experienced that because I wouldn't have become depressed and <laughs> gone off to find this other crew of misfits, really. Um, so it was a challenging time in my teenage years, I would say. It was a... It was quite a well that that phase secondary school was very difficult for me um yeah and i think particularly difficult because no one realized that i was really depressed so none of my school teachers realized even though i was asking my teacher how do i cook this how do i cook that and she must have realized the fact that i kept asking her how do you cook spaghetti bolognese how you know next night how do you cook chili how do you <laughs> she must have realized that i was doing the cooking <laughs> um but yeah, so no one, no one picked up on it. I just kind of got um, a bit of flack, really, for not conforming to the school's sort of approach to how you're meant to be as a young lady. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a tricky time. But I suppose with hindsight, it probably gave me an understanding and a you know and a, a lesser a much lesser of a judgment than I might have developed about people. I might have been much more judgmental about people had I not had the experience of mixing with all different types of people. And um, when, when you look back on your life, do you think that's probably the lesson that because you just touched on one of the, another question I was going to ask you: if life was to be happening for you, not to you, what lesson do you feel you were gifted? Yeah, I mean, I think the creativity that came out of the people I met was amazing because the music, you know, there's a lot of musicians in the group and I've still got a lot of musician friends. In fact, my partner's a musician now. Um, there was, yeah, a lot of creativity to a lot of people involved in sort of art and some of them have gone on to be part of film, um, film industry and stuff now. Um, and I think... I kind of saw that the boundaries are really where we choose to put them. You know, they're not as fixed as I might have thought. You know, you can kind of choose what, what you want a bit more for yourself. Um, and that led then to when I got sixth form age, I didn't go the route that I was expected to go. I went to a sixth form college that was very arts and creative focused. And even though I did um, math, <laughs> and um, I did um, physics A-level, maths and design technology. So even though I did more sciencey subjects, I, all my friends were really arty. You know, um, it was one of the best art colleges, the arts college. Um, and I've still got those friends today. They're still my close circle of friends. Um, nice. So, yeah, I mean, and we're, you know, like, yeah, still literally best friends. and. Some of them have ended up now getting together, and a couple of get, have got engaged out of the circle of friends. So it's it's really lovely, you know. It's kind of um, I I was I was very fortunate, I think, at that point. I met people 
who um, who get me and who I get. Yeah. All right. I like that. Can we, can we touch back on something you said then? You, you sort yeah. of realized that the barriers were where you placed them. Could, yeah. could, could, you, could you dig into that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think for, for me, because I'd never learned how to say no to anyone else, and I was a total people pleaser, and I didn't really know who I was at all as a person, I was very susceptible to being bullied and to also being just kind of really naive, basically. Um, so being around other people who are making different choices that weren't considered necessarily socially acceptable choices um, was actually quite freeing because, you know, I was coming from a very rigid perspective of myself of what was okay and what wasn't. And I didn't really know how to communicate. I couldn't just talk freely. I couldn't express what I felt. I didn't, I didn't know how to. There was so much I didn't know. And, and so being around them in some way, it just made, I felt part of something. I felt part of the community. Uh, whereas I suppose with other people, I, I just, I, I couldn't connect. You know, I just couldn't connect. So this group, who were a sort of a motley crew of misfits, um, all of us were a bit different and not really quite, you know, what was expected of us. We, we all kind of looked out for each other and they looked out for me and there was so much that I didn't know how to look out for myself around that, that in a way they kind of made up for my own, my own issues. <laughs> you know, it sort of meant that I still felt part of, I felt connected to a community and I, I couldn't have that experience otherwise on my own because I just didn't have the interpersonal skills for it. Yeah. So that was, that was really, really important. Now I didn't learn from them to start questioning my own boundaries and start saying no more. I didn't learn that. I was still stuck very much inside myself at that stage, but, but I did feel at least connected and part of a community. And that was, that was so what I needed at that point, you know, like we all do as you know, teenagers, we need to feel loved and cared about. And I wasn't getting it from anywhere else. So. Yeah. No, I get it. So, I mean, it took us up till sixth form. Um, so you said you fell into a depression, so I'm guessing early teenage years. At what point do you feel you moved away and, and how, did, how did you approach that? Yeah, so sixth form college was great because I, I, kind of, I kind of blossomed into making more choices for myself. And, um, you know, I did start pushing the boundaries of my parents quite a lot. I'd come home way later than the first year that I was meant to be coming home. And mainly because I just forgot what the time was. Um, but I, you know, I started to, to push them back quite a lot and I would just, I'd work on my dad, so I'd just wear him down if I wanted something. I would just wear him down if I wanted to go out on the weekend. I literally just wouldn't let it go. I was like a dog with a bone. <laughs> I just, like, come on, come on. And I'd just, <laughs> just irritate him until he said yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, that kind of, I suppose, inner determination and resilience within me. That had always been there started to come out more. Yeah. 
and that was a really good thing and then I got to the point of deciding where I was going to go to university and I picked somewhere that was so far away from home that I um I couldn't get a train back on the weekends so that there wasn't that control so I went to Manchester which was five hours on the train from Cambridge at that point um and and so basically that gave me a freedom that gave me you know more freedom than I had before because I was out of the control of my parents they couldn't dictate what I was allowed to do and what I wasn't able to do yeah. because they, they were literally too far away That's cool. um, yeah yeah I mean it's not ideal it's not the you know it's not the ideal way of, of handling things but it was my my way of trying to break free really yeah. with with the skills you had at the time with what i had at the time yeah yeah, yeah. and all those experiences you probably be interested in the stitching all together you know keep those key key points and you know Were you writing a book at any point <laughs> because, because there's lots there's lots of content here there is quite a lot yeah there is quite a lot um and there's a fair bit later on as well but <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we're gonna to have to do episode two <laughs> otherwise we're gonna be on you all night <laughs> okay right we said we we said we aim for about an hour i don't want to keep you on you for too long um is it okay to ask a couple more questions yeah absolutely yeah so i mean we've got a we're up to about like late teenage years so what sort of perspective do you put on obstacles in your life at the moment how do you view obstacles yeah so um i'll be honest it depends what mood i'm in okay so we all have good days and we have bad days and i'm just the same um i'm a very determined person and um and i think that now where i've got to when i see an obstacle I think there's got to be a way around it just because I'm so stubborn <laughs> underneath and my stubborn nature has started to come out more and more as I've got older. <laughs> so when I'm in a really good space myself, I see obstacles as an opportunity to just find another path, you know, find a way through or experience something new that I haven't experienced already. So when I'm having a good day, I'm like, I don't really see them as an obstacle. I just see them as not an opportunity in a way. If I'm not having quite such a good day, maybe I'm feeling quite afraid about where I'm wanting to go, then I might see an obstacle and just get a bit upset about it, you know, and have a bit of a rant, um, have a bit of a paddy and cry. And then I'll just go, okay, that's enough, right, now let's deal with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I see, I think for me, it's, it's not about judging myself anymore. You know, if I am having a good day and I can see it as an opportunity, that's great. If I'm not having such a good day and I'm actually getting a bit of stuff and anxiety, that's also okay. You know, that's just another part of myself um, that is there. You know, I'm quite, have quite a strong anxious nature from my childhood. Um, so I can get quite anxious about things. And that's okay too. And if I'm okay with my anxiety, then I actually find it doesn't bother me as much. You know, it's actually more difficult if you're constantly trying to squash it down. But if you kind of go, okay, so I'm feeling anxious, what do I need? Maybe I need a cup of tea and a bit of a hug and, a, you know, and, and not to try and push forward in that moment. Um, so I just kind of look after myself, you know, or go and meditate or you know, 
something like that just to calm myself down. So it's like self-soothe now. And then I'll I'll find a way through. And sometimes the anxiety can be quite strong, you know. There's always things, you know, I've been my business, I've grown it, you know, really large and turning over huge amounts, and then it's taken a step back and it's gone, um, you know, it's gone sort of back to a smaller business and then it's been growing again. So I've been through ups and downs with that and you know, I've had huge fat bills at one point because I didn't realize gone over the threshold in Ireland, which was actually kind of quite small. But I've gone over it about five times too much. <laughs> yeah, huge fat bills. I thought it was going to sink my business. So, you know, there are things that happen that, that can be hugely anxiety provoking. But I guess having been through so many things now over the past 42 years, um, I've been able to see that usually there's a way through them, you know, and, you know, and it's all right to have a bit of a cry if it's not going very well or it's not going easy, but then it's also really important to say, well, what do I need to do? You know, because ultimately, if I want something and I want the life I want to create for myself, it's worth fighting for, it's worth, you know, pursuing. And the journey, it's about the journey, it's not about the destination. And as I've got older, I've got more and more in touch with that and able to accept that sometimes there are journeys that I don't reach the destination. So um, I really, really wanted to have kids. That was, I really wanted to be mum and I really wanted to have kids. And I really thought that was going to be part of my journey. And, um, and then I got to 34 and um, went into heart failure. Um, which is actually found that there's a genetic heart condition through my family. Um, and that has meant that I can't have children. Um, and I've tried, I, because I don't give up easily, I've only tried the surrogacy route and that fell through with a friend that was um, going to be the surrogate um, and she had some health issues that meant that didn't go forward. And then I tried looking at going to India and now I just realized I couldn't manage it. You know, I was recovering from the heart condition um, sort of going into heart failure and just didn't have it in me and so I sort of came to terms that I wasn't going to reach the destination of that journey um, and that was a really difficult one to come to terms with. Now with hindsight <laughs> because um, my I have two nephews and my brother had the same condition as me, the same heart condition and unfortunately he passed away a few years ago from it. I'm sorry. I mean that yeah and that was probably one of the worst points that I've ever faced but now I'm kind of grateful that I didn't have kids because I was really able to be there for them and they're doing really well and that's you know so sometimes we don't know how things are going to turn out do you know what I mean? Sometimes. One crazy story. Yeah it, it is a bit crazy I didn't want to land it all on <laughs> No, did, did, but just think about that for a second. Do you know what I mean? It's when you, when you actually like sit back and take all that in. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, depending on your perspective, obviously, it worked out. Yeah, it has worked out. I, I honestly believe that, um, you know, I was able to move from Ireland to back to the UK after my brother died so that I could be nearer to um, my nephews. I was able to do that, you know, if I'd had kids that might have been in school, it might have been a little bit more complicated to do that. It would potentially still be impossible, but 
you know, I had the time to be there for them in a way, you know, if I'd had my own kids, I don't know that I wouldn't have been as available for the, you know, first three years after my brother died. Mm. Um, and now I'm kind of at a point where, you know, I actually kind of, I see my friends with their teenage kids and, and actually it's quite hard work, you know, and like it's been hard work with my nephews. The oldest one is 18 now. Oh, uh, I got that to come. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's actually quite hard work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I gotta like to have a lot of respect for parents because it's not it's not easy and it's not a lot of thanks, but it's also amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of combination thing. And and I you know, I I get to see it through having my nephews. I get to have that interaction. I get to be there for my friends who have kids and you know, be able to support them and hear them and stuff. So it's not like I've missed out entirely, um, you know, and so it, it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's become okay. And I have a lot of freedom that I can see that a lot of my friends don't have. Mm. You, you sort of start to go, actually, maybe I'm quite lucky, bitch. <laughs> In a way. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's just one of those things, but it's that thing is it, that has come out of this, all these experiences for me have led me to understand that the importance is about going on the journey. You're not always going to reach the destination. And sometimes you reach a completely different destination. You didn't know that that was a destination you wanted to reach. At all. Yeah. But actually, if you can just be on the journey, you know, even if it's difficult at one point, just be on the journey and kind of accept the journey. In a way, that's, that's the freedom. That's where... Um, yeah, that's where the happiness kind of comes in, you know. And you don't sweat the small stuff, as people say. No. You, you drop some of that stress and anxiety about the small stuff because you, you just accept and enjoy the, the journey that you've got. Um, yeah. It's not always easy. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Like you say, it's, I mean, sometimes people expect coaches or coaches' coaches to be this ever luminous, you know, beacon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where you're always at, you're always level, which you, you, you can shift your state to a certain degree, but you're going to get bad days. Everybody gets bad days. It's just about a low end. Uh, and this is what's another thing I've learned is like you just mentioned earlier on is allowing those emotions. Exactly. Exactly. And I think some of the best coaches are the ones that have had challenges, are the ones that have been through difficult, you know, difficulties and and that's because you then you really understand your clients when you hear them. Mm. You know, you, you get where they're coming from. Um, and even though I'm now helping my clients with growing their businesses, underneath I also hear their fears, their anxieties, you know, the, the stories that are holding them back. Mm. Um, and can work, you know, and also the, you know, particularly anxiety. I spent ten years working with people with anxiety disorders, so I'm actually quite good at helping business owners <laughs> who are feeling anxious because actually, you know, it's 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 just the same stuff, you know, yeah. same stuff, and um, and so everything, you know, everything you kind of you don't know why you do certain things during your life or why you gain certain experiences. But it kind of all comes together at some point, you know, if you allow it. 
it can all come together and, and all those challenges can become blessings. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, especially as a coach, when you get the opportunity to help others who are facing a challenge that you went through, then it's like you, you, you just get, you get a million times more back. You know, whatever, however hard the challenge was, you end up in a place where you're just like so grateful because you get so much back from helping the other person. Mm. You know, just, yeah. Yeah, you, you can't, it's, it's priceless, basically. I, I found the, the biggest sense of, uh, I use the term joy, but it's like of being almost in flow and exactly what I should be doing was the first time after I did that uh, mastermind I mentioned. Yeah. So I, I worked with one of the guys in the group and uh, he felt he wasn't a good speaker, but he's very animated. You know, he's very, he is, he is a good, he was, and he was a good speaker, but he, he had this belief that he wasn't. And we chatted for like 45 minutes, which went in two seconds as far as I was concerned. And then we, we did some like timeline and went backwards to this, point where he engaged with his school teacher who had said oh, you know you could do better or something or reprimanded him mm. and then she, so when, when we went back and revisited it he admitted that oh, she was really kind to him but she really liked him and he probably felt that she could he could have done better mm. and when he had that realization of, of hang on a minute I'm not a poor public speaker his eyes sort of went up into his head as he was processing everything. And I, had, and I got off the phone. I had a, uh, he was on a Zoom call. And I got off. And I had a grin on my face, ear to ear. And I turned around to my wife. And I said, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I'd been lost until then. But it was just having, because was, I was scared to do it. I had this training and I'd never, ever done it. But then seeing that on somebody's face when they have that shift and mm. you, know, you realize they get it. Yeah, and then they're away, and he's flying now. He's, I mean, he's uh, he's doing That's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. That's amazing. And I, I want more of that. I want more of those moments, and more of these moments, because this this is another thing that fires me up is having these open, honest, authentic conversations with people, mm. where you truly get to hear someone's story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean you get to be, you know? I mean, we don't know each other very well, but already we, 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 we shared quite a bit, like, you know, we have. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, which is fantastic. And I love that because in, in day-to-day life, it doesn't tend to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's important to bring this in more, you know? So yeah. you have the, that's the other thing is as, almost like as someone who has shifted the barriers that can be there, mm. you know, you, you bring that with you into your relationships with others. And, you know, you bring that spark of light um, just by how you are, even if you don't say anything, mm. just by your, your presence, you know, and people will feel more able to be truthful and be honest and be open with you because of how you are in yourself. And, you know, you probably already find that people tell you their life story quite a lot. <laughs> I sometimes wonder if I'm a little bit too open, though. I sometimes walk, walk away thinking, oh, should I have said that? Or should I have, you know, because I'm, I'm open book, you know. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, because some people can are interested, and some people you can see, and then you, I just shut my mouth then because obviously nothing's going in. Yeah. And but most of the time I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, and it's really the only person that you can know that you're doing right by is yourself. We never really know how someone else is experiencing something. No, it's um, so true. You know, so true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I got I got one more question, yeah. and then I'll let you go. So looking into the future. Yeah. What would be the craziest and most exciting thing that you could be experiencing? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, craziest. There's quite a lot of crazy stuff. I, <laughs> I, think, I think probably crazy and exciting. I think looking into the future um, in the next 10 years' time, or in 10 years' time, what I would love is to be financially free. That's my next goal. Um, and to be in a place where I don't choose to work to earn money. I literally um, do the work that I'm led by my heart to do all the time, just all the time. And, you know, the money piece is taken care of because I've created those assets. Yeah. Uh, so that, yes, I can choose to earn money if I want from the work that I do, my coaching work, but that I don't have to do that. I would love to to create that space where I can I can really go with the heart-led inspirations that I have, you know, and when they come up a lot more frequently, you know, um, there's a certain consistency when you run a business. You kind of have to stick <laughs> and complete things. <laughs> um, whereas I have so many creative ideas and things that I want to do and make a difference. So I'm like really passionate about the environment. Um, really concerned about the environment at the same time with climate change um lots of ideas around the kind of way i want to live my life in terms of having a you know um living in a home that isn't using energy that's more off grid mm. um yeah so there's loads of things around that, that i'd love to do and lots of difference i would like to make in the world and i kind of see myself doing that in the future um but in order to do that i also see to see you get there yeah well it'll happen it's yeah. you know, it's i'm on the i'm on the path as it were and it's like i said it's about the journey not the destination yeah indeed indeed okay so and the final one then is is on where, where can my audience find you and on what platforms yeah well god most platforms um <laughs> you can find the easiest place to find me is um on my website which is clientnectar.com 
Um, but I'm also probably you've guessed someone who's very open to have people emailing me and making contact. But if you wanted to make contact, my email is Shelley S H E L E Y at clientnectar.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, those are the two platforms that I'm, I'm mainly on. I've also got a very small YouTube channel at the moment, but you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn easily just under Shelley Hutchinson. Um, so yeah, we, I'd love to hear from anyone who's listening to this and wants to just reach out and say hi or wants to ask me more about my work or would like to ask for me to help them with something as well. More than, you know, but sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we often know people that can help others and we, you know, and I'm always open to if someone is looking to meet a certain a person that thinks I might be able to introduce them, then let me know. I'd love to put you guys in touch and, and see how I can help in that way. Fantastic. Yeah. Shelley, okay. I want to thank you for your time today. You're, you're a beautiful soul and I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you. Likewise, likewise. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk to you on your podcast. Fantastic. You know I'm going to have to ask you back, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got questions to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we're going to keep in touch and get to know each other even better as well. Absolutely. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. So thank you for your time. So what's the plan this evening then? So the plan now is to just go and relax um and and just unwind that i don't tend to do a lot past 8 30 9 o'clock in the evening it usually involves just a cup of tea and if i'm being healthy then a septima or a piece of fruit <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm gonna join you a cup of tea i think sounds great awesome <laughs> i'll um I'll, I'll get all this sent over to you like uh would you, would you like the video as well yeah, that'd be great. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want the raw file or just the the M uh, the MP4? Can you cut that up or? Yeah, yeah. Just um, part part whatever you're using to share because I can always share the link to your podcast. Okay. So if you just um share with me what you're sharing to your audience, yeah, uh, then I could, that way I'm promoting your podcast as well. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. That'd awesome be- job. Shelley, it's been wonderful to talk to you. I genuinely mean that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to hear someone talk the, the spiritual side because a lot of people, in, even the very business in the business world, from the people I'm connecting with so far, whether they are or whether they are not, it doesn't get discussed. Oh, really? And, yeah. and that's, the spiritual side for me is, is, is quite big for me uh, yeah. on my own life experience. So. Me too. Me yeah. Too. yeah, and I get that from you. I, I get a real sense that you're, you know, this this kind of is the work you're meant to be doing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you are just in your element. Like, oh, oh yeah, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> I say, hopefully, now if I, if my audience can get exposed to all these different people that are coming on, they'll yeah. there's somebody they will resonate with, and there's got to be. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? 
Absolutely, yeah, and they're probably resonating with you as, as well, you know, so. Yeah, happy days. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful. It's been great to connect more with you. Excellent. And I look forward to connecting in the future too. Fab. Have a great rest of your evening. You too, Shelley. Thank you very much. Bye, Joel. Enjoy your cup of tea. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>